Testing, testing, one, two, three. Welcome back to Spillin' Diz Tea. I'm Sakura. And I'm Brayden. And today we're talking Raya, Raya and, and the, the Last, Last Dragon. Dragon. Get ready because in today's episode, we're going to be spilling all the tea on Disney's newest princess. Hey everyone, welcome back to Spill and Dis Tea, the podcast where we sip and spill on all things Disney. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome, grab yourself a cup of tea, and get ready to dive into the magical world of Disney. So it's a brand new week. Mm-hmm. We've got another Raya episode, just as we promised. It is our double feature, and this one's more exciting because we get to actually spill the tea on the movie yeah and we've let it like marinate we've seen it a couple times now so yeah we were like kind to everyone we let everyone get some more time to like hop on someone's disney plus account (laughs) check the movie out and yeah now we're here yeah so obviously spoiler warning should go without saying yeah you should have seen this movie by now (laughs) i really hope you have because it's a good (laughs) one so and if you haven't by now it's fine go watch it and then come back yeah Listen to our spoiler-free review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen to the spoiler-free review, watch Rye and the Last Dragon, and then listen to this episode. Yeah. In that order. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get into our main discussion, I did want to talk about the box office situation for Raya. So of course, we're in a pandemic right now, and releasing movies in movie theaters is very risky so Mm -hmm. movie movie studios are trying to figure out a way to do that so it's lucrative but also safe so they don't get bad pr so disney has had some issues with their premiere access with their streaming situation movie theaters are very very powerful in hollywood And I don't know why. I did research on this, as I said I was going to do last week, and we still have not found a reason why Cinemark has decided not to play Raya. Hmm. It's probably because of the the fact that they're shortening the window between theatrical and and digital. They just announced that they're going to be releasing it on digital um, on April 2nd, and then on Blu-ray on May 18th, which is super close to release date. It was just released oh, like over April a week 2nd ago. April 2nd is like in two weeks. Yeah. Oh. So people aren't going to want to pay $30 on Premier Access. And this is a clear indication that it's not doing that well in Premier Access. I'm just like kind of confused as to like, clearly Premier Access isn't working. And like I'm not... I'm not behind the scenes at Disney, so I don't know what the numbers are looking like. I don't know what their scientists are telling them to do. But I'm just a, a consumer. I'm a viewer. And I, I, could, I could have told you this wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is ask a couple of your, of your, ask your audience. Like, what do they want? How do they want to view your content? Yeah. You know, if we can't be in theaters, I don't want to pay 30 bucks to watch it at home. Like, I understand, you know, needing to to profit off of your properties that you spent more money on the ones that have higher expenses and the ones that you're expecting more of a turnout on but you're you're not if you push too hard like you're not gonna get it you the reception that you're wanting so just so frustrating yeah and it's it's weird because it's hard to figure out if this is strictly a pandemic thing or if people are just not wanting to see this film in general cinemark is not the biggest movie theater chain in the United States, it's the third biggest, but that's still 345 theaters across 42 states that weren't playing Raya and the Last Dragon. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure there's other chains too that weren't playing it either. Plus we have our chains here that are owned by Cinemark, like Cineplex, mm -hmm. that was not playing the film. So it's it's interesting. Also, it's like how many people are going to movie theaters right now, realistically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like even though, like we we had looked it up and we we saw that we do have a local theater that was playing Ryan the Last Dragon, but there was still like a like, do you guys feel comfortable even going? Like there's still an apprehensiveness. So if like us like you know young people who are such dedicated disney fans and who are would probably risk their lives to watch ryan the last dragon yeah. are are questioning the safety of these facilities like we can't even imagine what families like no families like you know probably half the money is supposed to be coming from these parents that are paying for their four or five six children mm -hmm. but that's not happening you know so they're getting duped the mom's paying 30 bucks they can watch it at home and then you know other people or other target audiences that would be watching ryan the last dragon aren't just because they're it's just not feasible for them mm -hmm. yeah i think it probably is like a, a a mixture of a bunch of different factors the fact that the marketing was trash if you want to hear my rant on that listen to our our past episode yeah yeah the pandemic just there's a lot but what i've noticed is that films that just have been releasing on streaming platforms are just skyrocketing those are the most successful films that i've seen so far as of yet like i don't know like they really probably don't even need to be charging premiere access they could just throw ryan the last dragon all these other films on disney plus or maybe on like maybe like an unlocked feature that's like 10 bucks more or something like they don't need to be charging this money because you know, people are, are watching this. Like, look at Soul. Soul didn't get that much marketing either. But just the fact that its accessibility was there and we needed content, it skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see if Disney picks up on any trends. I was wondering, too, if they were going to release it without the fee early. Because I think when in June is when it's expected to be released without Premiere Access. I think that's when the movie's going to take off. Because that's what happened with Mulan. Not that it you know, took off at yeah. a huge level, but it got more That's when following. people started to see it, and that's when, you know... Yeah, that's what I think, too. Also, with the marketing, it's really interesting to watch because it seems like Raya, they're, they're really pushing. Like, they had the hashtag Raya Watch Party, which was a really cool event that they had. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I saw, like, the filmmakers were tweeting out different fun facts about the film and, you know, some storyboards and deleted scenes and all that stuff, so that was pretty cool, but... Mm -hmm. With the marketing, they're really trying to... You can kind of see them trying to be like, ah? <laughs> right? Here it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're a little bit behind, but we're here. <laughs> but yeah, I encourage you to watch Raya, please. It's so good. And I hope... You know, there's still hope, so we don't there know. There's still hope. It's still early. We're not... It's definitely not a write-off. It, it may just have to be one of those slow burn movies. It's really unfortunate that it doesn't get... That it didn't get that huge box office numbers that we know it would have gotten if it was regular day operation but it'll still get it's what it deserves yeah. even if it's over time it'll still get it yeah all good okay some main discussion time main discussion time okay so i just want to go over some general stats cool on wikipedia before we get in so disney's ryan the last dragon was released on march 5th 2021 it had a budget of $100 million and has so far made $52.6 million globally. Um, it is directed by Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada, produced by Osnot Schur and Peter Del Vecco, written by Queen Nguyen and Adele Lim. 
And so far, the film has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is... Impressive. Very impressive. People aren't nice on Rotten Tomatoes. They are so. not. It's called Rotten Tomatoes for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, Disney Plus numbers are not released, so we have to go off of their very vague trending page. Mm-hmm. So Ryan the Last Dragon is number 13 right now on Disney Plus's trending page. I mean, we can do better, guys. Yeah. We can do better. Every, like, we gotta... But to be fair, it is competing with shows like Criminal Minds via Star. We can do better, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. We can definitely do better. Let's let's do what we can to get that representation that we need. All right, let's get into it. Okay, well, let's just start off with like some of like basic elements that kind of like stood out to us um so one of the first things that i remember like asking you at the end i was like wait was there like an opening credits scene because brayden always looks out for those and he's always the first one to be like oh my gosh look like this is new this time and i was like wait like i can't remember one and you were like no they clearly you noticed from the get-go <laughs> yeah that like usually they have like some kind of like overture or they have like you know they try to play around with the castle logo mm-hmm. but you know they just kept it simple this time which you know sometimes that's what you need classic is not bad yeah and they did have you know like the sounds of the rainforest over the yeah. walt disney animation studios logo so a little bit of something a little bit of something i guess they were like you know we're already chanted and like frozen in moana so <laughs> let's let's not yeah <laughs> let's take it down a notch let's go to the nature route this time it was jarring to me how the movie opened the way like because we already see raya riding tuk tuk yeah and i was like oh okay it was really it was such an interesting way for them to open it up like that wasn't a very like disney princess-esque way to, to open it up because it kind of felt like like super like like an action film like yeah you just see like this this lone rider just going through like the desert and, and it's like apocalyptic yeah like. yeah she even like says like in her like voiceover like like i like i know what you're thinking like you know like when and i'm like oh my gosh like she do knows. you know what i'm thinking <laughs> Yeah, super cool. I love that. Like that's like clearly um like Disney was really like playing around with like different film styles and and ways that they can execute their animation. So that was super cool. Love seeing like the the beginning. How how do you introduce your film and mm-hmm. what what is going to get me hooked, you know? So Yeah. First really impression. Cool. I love um we then go when we zoom out like to see, you know, the map of Kumandra, which looks awesome i love that it's based off of like a dragon yeah literally the shape of a dragon yeah and then the kind of like mandala comes out and then it changes animation styles into that like very like 2d prologue i love that yeah and i think like that's really cool that this was something that disney keeps with their disney princess films because you've from the beginning of time we've seen this whole like prologue-esque uh introductory where it's like a tale and it's like a storybook or whatever whatever the trope may be for that film so it was really cool to see them you know keep up such like a timeless trope with their films but how they executed it with this film was super cool introducing a new animation style so you know we started off with our classic 3d animation that we know now we switch into a new animation it looks super super sick it's like something that we haven't even seen before Mm -hmm. like it was giving me i think i was saying like like the transitions of it looked kind of like the ones in crazy rich asians 
like oh, with yeah. like you know the things going i don't even know like what that animation is called but it looked awesome and just like the score behind it just was helping elevate the animation and you know the liveliness of the of the film so yeah can we hop on the score for a second yeah because i've been <laughs> listening to it nonstop since the movies come out and not just like the song not just lead the way but the score itself yeah is so good yeah i love it the other day i was like let me because i don't normally listen to scores but i was like let me just like give it a go i was like doing some of my like morning getting ready for work and cleaning that sort of thing and like it's good like it's really good and honestly like i'm gonna start doing that more often just like listening to scores because it takes you through the movie yeah and uh, last i think the last disney movie i listened to the score of was moana um, cause I don't need, like frozen Two. you know, I listened to the soundtrack, but the score itself, mm-hmm. um, didn't really capture me too much, but this one was just, it was great. I loved the way they blended. They had these traditional elements with the instrumentation, mm-hmm. you know, even in like lead the way the instrumentation in the pop song, like really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really well done. And then they have like, kind of like this synth to mm-hmm. it and it gives it this edge. And I feel like it doesn't ever take me out of the film. So yeah, this film is not a musical. Do you think that's going to hinder the appeal of this film? I don't know if it would hinder the appeal. I think, if anything, what it would do is it might... Like, fans that uh, usually look forward to the musical elements of Disney's animated properties, they may be a little disappointed just from hearing that that it would be musical, especially because we're kind of like deprived of music. Like last thing we got was Frozen 2 and it's, no, not that Frozen 2 didn't give us great music, but it's, you know, it's it's Frozen. We already know Elsa and Anna and we have a soundtrack from already. So it's like, we are are super hungry for for a new world, new characters, new sounds, new, new things that we can identify with. So I think, you know, finding out that you won't we won't be able to have that it could be a little like oh like because you know i did feel that way like dang it like it's not gonna be a musical but at the same time it's intriguing like okay you don't have music what are you going to add to capture my interest that the music would have captured so i think for a disney fan it would be intriguing for fans uh or just like people who watch films in general that aren't necessarily musical watchers they would enjoy this even more it might even drag in more people that don't usually watch musicals so it was a brave move for disney but i i don't see how it would hinder them honestly mm-hmm. speaking especially because like the score keeps it right up it like doesn't even you don't miss the music at all yeah i feel like the action sequences are really what take you in this film it's they have so many just great sequences um and like you said the score carries them so well mm-hmm. that i, feel I like almost you don't feel like it. the action sequences like was the substitution for the lack of music because yeah. we've never had action sequences like this before yeah they're like choreographed yeah it, it's exactly like that scenes yeah and... it's it's insane you know mm-hmm. and it really gives you something to to look at that was really cool all that like all those little details that come into it don't even like there's the music isn't there but you don't it's not an issue yeah so shall we journey to the land of heart let's journey to the land of heart yes so like brighton had said the land of kumandra makes up five clans there is heart clan tail talon spine and fang and we thought it'd be really cool to explore the movie by going through the different lanes because that's also kind of how the plot 
uh, explores itself. We things happen as we explore the lands with the characters. So I think that'll be a really cool way to break down the film and go into the characters and just everything. So yeah, let's start off with heart. Let's do it. Let's start off with our princess of heart, mm-hmm. Raya. So Raya's voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, and she does such an amazing job. Phenomenal. I just think that the way, like, both the marriage of the animation and of the voice acting, it just creates such a an identifiable character, and I just love it. She's just so multifaceted. Yeah, I had mentioned this in the past episode, but the fact that she voices little Raya and adult Raya, like, and I think that was, like, a really cool way to portray that as well because you know usually speaking when we have these prologues with younger versions of our disney princesses they're a lot younger they're probably between the ages of like zero to four yeah (laughs) so it was cool that you know when we were introduced to raya she was probably about 12 we don't have any confirmed numbers but we're assuming she's about 12 years old and she that being said like she's more established she has herself and it allows the voice actress, adult Raya, being able to voice a younger Raya because she's not like a kid, you know? So mm-hmm. just to see how Kelly Marie Tran was able to like adjust her voice to, you know, sound a bit younger, but still be true to her character. It's it's even better because it's the same person and it, it carries the same essence through it. There's never a disconnect between the characters. It yeah. actually keeps it more authentic and genuine. So... Yeah, you like you still feel like everything that happened to her when she was young, this is the same character exactly. that experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can hear it in her voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she's, she's a different kind of princess because she's not... I mean, like, not that we haven't seen it before. We've seen it with Elsa and stuff. But Rai is very jaded and, and not trusting. But that doesn't make her, like, she's not cold. I mean, she is yeah. cold, but she's, like... Yeah, like, the thing is that, like, with Elsa is that she's super jaded and not trusting. And then because of that, she comes off as cold. Of course, like, I'm not here to compare princesses and their situations. You go through what you go through the way you do. But along the same lines, like, Raya had been through situations where, you know, she's suddenly very untrustworthy of people. But... She still has a super dope personality that shines through, mm-hmm. you know? She's only that jaded, untrustworthy person when, you know, situation arises. Elsa kind of is, like, on thin ice all the time. Like, you don't want to, like, you say hi to her and she might blast you. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a Disney princess, uh huh. where does Raya fall for you? The uh, princess so, of heart. Yeah, I have been kind of battling with this because after i watched the film she immediately shot to my top three there was no doubt about it i and the thing is like i had no doubt about it because my top three princesses my third princess i don't love as much as my top two so now i finally have found and connected with the new heroine that i genuinely love as much as my top two which are mulan and moana um, so now my issue at that point was, okay, what is, is there a new order? Is someone going to be dethroned? Like what's going on here? And I still don't know, you know, I'm still not sure. I think it's hard because it's like, what do you rate, you know, because she has like her, like you have Heartlands Raya. Yeah. And then you have Lone Warrior Raya. But then you never see, like, Kumandra Raya. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like, like, Palace, 
Can we talk about that palace? The palace is beautiful. So I beautiful. I wish that we got to see more of that palace. The kitchen. Yes, the kitchen. <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> the temple. Yeah, like when Raya and her dad, Chief Benja, when they were, oh, we'll get to Chief Benja, but when they were walking through, you know, that kind of like, I don't even know what to describe it. Like it, the corridor? Yeah, like a corridor. It was like, it was so pretty. And it's just like the fact that the animation was able to show just just i don't even know what they designed all of this based off of but they did a great job because i'd like to go there yeah and i guess that's the point of the film and the point of her character is that she's not like the typical you know she's like oh for a disney princess she's she definitely strays away from the more princessy elements for sure yeah but i want to see more of heart like yeah. i need like a sequel because i just want to explore it so much it's so cool what about you? Where does she rank for you? I'd even say where she ranked, but I don't know. Just all you guys need to know is she's up there with my top three right now. We'll probably get back to you at some point in the future with a new updated princess list. But for now, we're still marinating, okay? Yeah. I'm I'm still processing it, mm-hmm. but I definitely think she's up there for me. Yeah. I just think Raya is such a cool character. She's so relatable. I love her personality. I, yeah. I think she has my favorite personality between all of them. For sure. I also really love Moana's personality, but Moana's like younger, you know? Raya seems older. Yeah. Like Raya's I could be I could be stuff. really good friends with Raya. Not saying I can't be friends with Moana, but Moana, like, she sounds like she's 16, you know? Yeah. And it's obvious. It's like and that's nothing against her. That's her story. It's it's a story of of, you know, a young girl becoming a chief and proving herself and her bravery to her people. But Raya is just like sick from the get-go. So that that's what I think. I think that's really cool. And that just really attracts me to her. So next to Raya, we are introduced to another lovable creature. Another thing that we love with our Disney princesses is their besties that they have by their side. It's never a human. It's always, always an animal. And we get Tuk Tuk. He's so cute. He is so cute. Tuk Tuk is a, a pug. Pill bug. Armadillo hybrid. Yeah. Tuk Tuk is so cute. He is. Baby Tuk Tuk just like fits on her shoulder. Yeah. And like, I love that too, that when we are first introduced, we see Tuk Tuk as a baby. And I think that's really cool because then like if Raya was about 12, she probably got Tuk Tuk like around that time too. Because the next time we see Tuk Tuk, homie's the size of our house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't think it took him 12 years to get to that little ball that he is. But yeah, it's really cool. And does Tuk Tuk count as a Disney horse? Like if we're- I was thinking about this. I'm like, the cool thing about Tuk Tuk, he's literally like a sidekick and a horse in one. Yeah. I count him as a horse. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's transportation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Decided. sidekicks in this movie. <laughs> He's so cute. He like Disney keeps like one upping themselves. You know, first they did Pua, then they did Bruni, and then they did like Tuk Tuk. So like mm-hmm. whoever's coming in like Encanto, I I'm oh, gonna lose it. Oh yes. Oh, I just yeah. It's like that's probably like one of like the best things to like look forward to. Like who do we get mm-hmm. next to our Disney princess? Yeah. So Tuk Tuk is actually uh, voiced by Alan Tudyk, who is the same voice actor as Hey Hey represent 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 we love that i love seeing actors that have done past disney projects that continue to show face in in you know future disney pro- like i just love seeing that like it's clearly like 
like a a, a family and a community that Disney's trying to build. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a job, a pay. Like, you know, the people that work and are a part of these projects clearly love these environments and the people that they're working with and they want to keep coming back and doing more projects with Disney. So I think that's just super cool to point out. He's been in like every Disney film, every Disney animated film since Wreck-It Ralph. So it'll be cool to see if he pops up in... Uh, Do you think he has of- like a like a list? <laughs> maybe in his room like gotta check it off he's got like encanto like gotta get the part (laughs) yeah he's done villains he's done sidekicks yeah he can do it all man he can do it all moving on to chief benja Ah! okay i love this man (laughs) can i just say disney does not play when it comes to their disney daddy animation because disney gave us another disney daddy Chief Benja, guys, like he can't be a day over 32. He is so fine. I I can't. I cannot. The thing is like Disney is so good with like building their dads, you know? Like they're usually like for one good looking and two just like so like kind and genuine souls and like they find a way to like attach you to like these fatherly figures from the get-go. And then they rip them away from you. I feel like Benja, they um they did a great job because he's the, he, I feel like he's the heart of the film. He's the one who relays this message of unity and wanting to make Kumandra a thing again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was really well done as opposed to something like I think Disney and Pixar and even other animated films tend to, you know, kill off characters in order to kind of pass it off as like, this is a good movie because it's going to make <laughs> you cry, you know? Yeah. But not every Disney death feels that way because they don't build the characters up. You know, you kind of have to you have to get attached to them. And I feel like they did a really good job at doing that with Chief Benja. Yeah. Even though we didn't have that much time with him, they still were able to flesh out his character enough. Yeah, I think the last really good example of that, for me anyways, I think is Tadashi. They really built Tadashi up really, really well. Um, And then when he died, like... I was bawling. Like, how dare you give me Tadashi and take him away so quickly? And that's how I felt about Chief Benja. But it was it was a great motivation to set Raya on her journey. Yeah. And and she's dual motivated because obviously, you know, she wants to help people. But her main thing is like, I want my ball back. Yeah. Like, I just want my ball back. Exactly. And it's really, it's like really fascinating to see that because like we don't see that much of you know, what else is going on in Raya's or whatever else is a part of Raya's life. Like, all we really know is that she has uh, her ba. That's it. We don't know where her mom is. We know that he's a single father, but we don't know what happened to her mom. We don't know. Like, we barely see that much of, you know, uh, her interactions with, like, workers within her palace and that sort of thing. So really and truly, we get a sense that ba is her her everything and that mm. is her her standalone so the fact that he was taken away from her at the beginning of the film like that says a lot and it just i just love that how easily they were able to to show us their relationship without having to do too much yeah you know yeah and the end just the reunion that mm-hmm. is so powerful i need to bring up how after he got shot in the leg <laughs> How did they get down the mountain? Like, how did everyone get down so... Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. And I it's funny because, like, to begin with. ever since we've seen, like, any kind of, 
view of what the Kumanj would look like in Raya marketing and merchandising. Like you've been saying, how do they get up and down that like donut? Like how on earth do they do that? And they don't even really show us. They just cut it. They just assume like they flew. And I'm like, this man's limping. Like how did he get down? But also, also want to really just like super uh, really quickly bring up like, when he did get like shot in the leg like he he could have died that was going for his heart but yeah. he dodged it to his leg i just thought that was really sick like just and i the first time i watched the film i missed it i didn't even realize that he like karate chopped that shit away but like oh that was really cool that was really 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 cool like the stakes are high like people are they're they're, like they are trying to kill each other in this film yes so essentially going into the film we know that the idea is that raya is trying to stop this essentially the, the darkness that's coming for her 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 family and her her home so we learned that what this is it is the drone and essentially what it we don't exactly know what the physics of what it is but it essentially is just a plague that you know consumes human life and leaves stone behind it i thought it was really cool and also like i thought it was giving me kind of like infinity war vibes because it's like oh everyone's turning to stone and i'm like no they're all gonna come back Mm -hmm. obviously so like when 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 ba turned to stone i was like okay like i think ba's gonna come back so i'm not gonna cry just yet but even though it was like kind of like a trope where you know you 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 know they're all gonna come back it still shows how high the stakes are like it's it consumes human life it's killing people mm-hmm. and you go through and you see that you know this these people uh that get consumed by the drone they turn to stone and they're there forever like they're there for years you go through the different worlds and you see just like stone people everywhere and i just love the animator's dedication to making sure that that was shown and that was pre- and prevalent that this is a very real thing happening in this world that i could turn around the corner and see like my stone neighbor that got hit by the drone you mm-hmm. know so that was that was really interesting and i like how they sort of all change into the same formation yeah too. um creates kind of this like iconic silhouette and then that way you don't have like just like you know random people just like frozen like, in time. Uh, but yeah and you can kind of see like their like life force being sucked out of them. Yeah, the it's like it was it was really cool seeing like the way that even that part was animated too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just like a smoke and like stone. You know, you like kind of see how it happened. So, and I wonder. So we we come to learn that the drone are um, they are repelled by water. So they don't touch water. Taka mm-hmm. vibes, if you ask me. But, you know, <laughs> repelled by water. They're also repelled by the dragon gem. My question is, do you think kids would find this scary? Because there's times when the drone just kind of, like, pop up and they're, like, screeching and, like, the yeah. music's all... I don't know. That's a good question. Like, I feel like kids these days are kind of savage. So I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the things that, like, scared us as kids, like, it was warranted. We had some scary shit they were throwing in our face. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, like, to me, the concept of the drone is is scary. But I don't, like, do kids, do kids find that scary? I don't know. I guess I, I wouldn't. I but... never really, like, felt an intense, like, 
thing coming from the drone. Like with the drone, they at least for me, they felt like an inconvenience. Like I knew that like when they came around, we could just kind of like boot them back with the dragon gem, and they just kind. But like they weren't like at least not a huge threat to the main characters at present moment. Because I know that Rai is always good, you yeah. know. But it was still like a good villain placeholder. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a nice curse to have yeah. in the film, you know. Yeah, that and also I think like the narrative that we were also viewing Namarian kind of helped with that. All right, so like another big piece of the whole film is of course the concept of dragons. Mm-hmm. These dragons are particularly interesting because they are water dragons. You know, originally when I when you think dragon, you obviously you think fire breathing, flying, sleeping beauty, more of like the western yeah. idea of a dragon. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then like the other are uh, dragon example that Disney has given us was uh, Mushu. So that's kind of like all we really have to work with. So seeing... Who breathes fire, strangely enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like getting to see Sisu, it was like really cool because they brought back the concept of, you know, having like a dragon in their films. Dragons used to be <clears throat> super, super iconic in like old old movies, old fairy tales, old, you know, back then. So it was like really cool to see them bring back the dragon concept, but with the cultural elements of having it be a Southeast Asian based dragon. I think all the dragons in the film look really cool. Just the way that the way they look, Mm -hmm. the way they're animated. So, and their, their purpose and their point in, in the world, everyone in Kumandra like looks up to dragons. Like they're just this. They're like deities. Yeah. And and the dragons in this world are much like they are in in Asia and Southeast Asia. Um, they are these divine beings that people worship um, instead of being like something fear, like you know you see in Western media. Yeah. Um, so they you know they bring water and life and peace and harmony and and all those good things. And also these dragons tend to be more like serpentine. So Yeah, they look kind of like sea sea monsters, like sea creatures. Yeah. 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 And especially like when Sisu swimming, like that's so pretty. So pretty. So pretty. It was really nice to like really see her in her element in mm-hmm. the water because we, di- we didn't get a lot of like seeing like a water dragon in water so just that whole shot that we got of her underwater looked super super dope and the score too was really pretty with like yeah. that chanting so the dragons in this film are actually based off of something called the naga um which is present in hinduism buddhism and jainism um and they are these like semi-divine beings who appear often as being like half human which I think is pretty interesting because, as we know, Sisu and her sister Prani. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our titular dragon, Sisu. So Sisu is really cool. We kind of get introduced to her a little bit in the beginning when we see an interaction between Raya and Namari. We'll get to Namari soon. And we we see that, at least between them, um, that they both love dragons so much, particularly Sisu. And at that point, we realize, okay, like Sisu is this deity dragon that we were anticipating meeting at some point. And in the beginning, Namari shows Raya this map and she says, you know, legend has it. Like she's still away sleeping at the end of this river or one of the rivers or however it goes. Later on, that becomes valuable information 
because once Raya sets off on her quest, she sets off to find Sisu. Um, we meet Sisu in tail, and I thought the um, the scene, particularly when Raya was summoning Sisu, I thought that was so cool. That yeah. we got a little bit of music there too. Um, Raya was actually like singing something in I'm not sure what language language it was. I was actually really curious to know if it was a real language or if they had formulated their own dialect to kind of represent what Kumandra is. And then Sisu showed up and it looked so, so cool. She was like... It's very theatrical. Yeah, it was so theatrical. And I thought that like it was really cool because the, the scene where Raya was getting Sisu, overall it was like so... So, like I said, theatrical and serious, and it was like a big, grandiose, like masterpiece of a, a scene that was happening. And then, as soon as like Sisu appears, comedy instantly, like Aquafina turns it up, and we're brought right back to the the Disney animated loveliness that <laughs> we came for. Yeah, yeah. And I love Aquafina's performance in this. She's great. She does a really good job of delivering the serious moments, but then, of course, the the comedic. So we learn that Sisu, she can harbor different powers from the broken gem pieces of the dragon gem, right? So which one is your favorite of all the different powers? So I guess let's just quickly like go through them. So the first one that Sisu that happens, or it's the glow, mm-hmm. the glow. So one of them, one of the powers is the glow. There is shape-shifting. Mm-hmm. There is the rain. And then there's fog. And then fog. My favorite one would probably be... Probably the rain. Because yeah. the rain looked... It looked so cool. And then it kind of allowed the visual of seeing what the dragons look like if they'd be flying. Because they're not flying creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, they're water creatures. So the fact that it's specifically my boy Pengu... Who, who who has that power and he's like able to like 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 hop on the rain to like fly around so i thought i especially with the scene at the very end where we see like all the dragons doing it like that was really pretty yeah yeah it was really cool yeah so you agree yeah i'd say running on rain is pretty dope and just the scenes like you said were amazing mm-hmm. can we talk about her human form for a second because yes. we get two forms of sisu yeah so I guess originally in development, she was going to start off as a human and kind of like regain her dragon self as the film went on. I kind of like how they did it with yeah. this. Um, she was human enough, but she wasn't, you know, it didn't take away. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, we, I think she, she spends maybe like 20 to 30 minutes as a human in the film. Mm-hmm. And it was like kind of like perfect, you know, because she, she starts off as a dragon and then we see her human form and i think like introducing it like it wasn't like a usual trope where we have to like get back to our human form or this person turned into this like she she acquired the shape-shifting ability and then that turned her human and it's like she was easily able to switch back you know so i thought that was really cool to see how they did that and then after like again we got to like really explore her and her her human form for a bit and while like you know for the time she was human in the plot it was very convenient to the plot but it was good 
because you know we got to see what she could do in these like different scenarios and different situations and then when she switched back switched back to a dragon like it's kind of like the heat turned up and it's like we don't want her to go back to a human you know we want her to stay as a dragon Mm -hmm. so i think the timing of her different uh forms was just perfectly executed Mm -hmm. yeah i'd agree Mm -hmm. i think the animation on her as a human is especially like I love super her expressive. different colors. Like, yeah, she looks like a crazy art teacher, and I vibe with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I loved her design. Yeah, and she gave me like aerial vibes. Yeah, like like the whole like aloof. Yeah, kind of like credit. Yeah, <laughs> credit. So <laughs> I'll be paying with credit. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, so we kind of talked a little bit about Sisu. Let's uh, go in and talk a little bit more about Tail. Mm-hmm. So we've moved past Heart and we're into the clan of Tail. We don't spend that much time in Tail because um, I feel like the the major aspect of Tail is Sisu. We go to get Sisu and then we're acquiring the dragon gem, which was the easiest one to acquire because the chief that was harboring that gem was dead. Yeah, I um, go. So, yeah, Tail, describe the landscape of Tail for me. So Tail is a desert, mm-hmm. and because of the lack of water, it is drune infested. So it is not the place to be in what was once Kumandra. Um, there's very little water, and where there is water, that's where people tend to hang out. Yeah. It. it so I, I was reading, I really want to get the art book for this film so I can do a little bit more research. I was reading somewhere that kind of tail is sort of like the remnants of a clan um, mm. over the five years. It's kind of, you know, dissipated. This is giving like Hunger Games District 13 vibes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. But there's not too much to say about tail. It's kind of just a desert. Yeah. Um, Clearly it's not fan favorite. No one wants to live there. No one wants. <laughs> You know, as we explore, all you really see are like these stone humans. So, yeah, it's uh, they did a really good job, um, like using tail to to, I guess, like show the seriousness of the drone and show like what this how this really has an impact on this community, on these families. And then we meet Boone um, within tail and he is a, as I had said in the last episode, a little entrepreneur. He is a very young boy. He's probably like 10 or so. And we learn that he had also lost all of his family to the Droon. And that was like really cool, a really cool moment I found because you get to see Boone, uh, Sisu, and Raya all kind of like bond and kind of mm-hmm. show support for each other. And that was kind of like the first like, real time we get to see these characters like emote towards each other and and you know build more of a connection so yeah and i i think the voice actor did a great job with him he gave me kind of like ang vibes from avatar (laughs) (laughs) um but like in a good way and i think definitely from the uh the um ensemble he's one of my favorites yeah me too boone he is the one that provides the boat the shrimporium which is his restaurant slash home slash boat <laughs> um and that's what our heroes use to get to talon mm-hmm. talon is super super cool it's giving us aladdin market vibes mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like described as like the sketchy like downtown kumandra place like byward market 
It's like the crossroads. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because we we kind of get like a glimpse of the the people and how they interact with each other right away. Um, specifically with the next member of our ensemble, Baby Noi and her Ongies. It's funny because in the when you first meet Noi, she's like a baby sitting crying like doing her con baby duties and it's like it's funny because raya knows like i shouldn't trust this baby it's not like the usual like oh my gosh like a baby like raya knows like this baby probably is fine you know like i got stuff to do but you know you can't just leave a baby alone so um of course raya does her due diligence and immediately we see the ongies pop up love them the ongies the little they're catfish monkeys. Yeah. They come and they've got their little grimy hands all over the dragon gems that we've, you know, got so far. And I like that that was kind of just like a slight annoyance. It wasn't like a whole thing we had to like go through to like get back the gems. You know, they were kind of just like slide whatever. They like Riot got back her gems super, super easily and then was able to like recruit them to help them out on their journey. Yeah, they were just like a little inconvenience for a second. Yeah. Which, if I'm honest, I could have done without that chase scene. Um, like I want to punch the baby. I love the Ongies. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Noi has... When Noi is, like, you know, just cute. Yeah. I love her. But when she... I don't know. There's just there's times I don't... Like, I can, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. But she's not my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the Ongies and mm-hmm. they have names. So the, the tall skinny one with the hat is Dian. The uh, little chunky one is chunky Pan. And then the little baby one is Uka. That's he's my so favorite. It's so cute. The They're Ongies so are so cute. Brayden's trying to get his hands on an Ongi mug. Yes. So best believe we're going to have that <laughs> that on our page when that pops up. Yes. Um. So there's a little cameo in the scene i don't know if you caught it i saw it later did you mm-hmm. after i had like seen it like i, I saw like someone post about it on on social media and then i had seen it <laughs> but that's the other thing too is not many people are posting about this film um in terms of like usually there's like this influx of like when soul came out it was like who's 22 like which pixar character is 22 yeah and this like i found this easter egg which is hey hey in mm-hmm. the market of talon um but there's like not many others yeah there's not like unless we haven't found them yet yeah maybe they're just hidden <laughs> yeah elsa's in like one of the scenes in the thing <laughs> Elsa, no, elsa's, elsa's one of the warriors <laughs> yeah also um, i want to talk about um so we so after their little scrap you know raya enlists the help of knowing the ongies to go find dang high um, who we find has been turned to stone, and then his mother, the chiefess of Talon, has been taking over, mm-hmm. and she's surprisingly cruel. Like she <laughs> wants, she goes to try to like throw and lock Sisu out of the city. Yeah, to be like with the drone. With the drone, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was and no repercussions after. Yeah, yeah, it was insane. Danghai, your mom needs to chill. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, like I thought. That was kind of cool or that was kind of funny because, you know, Sisu even ending up in that situation, as we've kind of seen through the film, Sisu was a little bit of a, a Ron stoppable to Raya's Kim possible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was kind of like, Raya was like, Sisu, you need to stay on the boat for this one. Like, let me just go deal with Dang Hai. We got it. We got it. But then Sisu 
doesn't listen, of course, because she is the free spirit that she is. And she said, you know what? Raya is screwing up. She doesn't even have a present for Dang Hai. I had to go get Dang Hai a present. And Boone says, credit. You can go pay for it on credit. So my first thing is like, they got credit in Kumandra. Like, why does Boone from Tail know what credit is? <laughs> you know? So that was like just like a really funny scene, I think. Like just seeing Sisu like grab everything, Bobbing just like head. like I'm put it on credit. Like that's literally how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> literally yeah so yeah we kind of see that sisu is very very trusting um so she kind of foils raya in that regard and it really it really hits her and takes her back that this chief like was you know (laughs) she she thought she was so kind and she really just wanted to hurt her um so you know sisu's kind of having this complex because the world wasn't like this 500 (laughs) years ago you know like Uh what happened Raya tried to tell you. Raya tried to tell you. And then they get into kind of this little argument on the boat. Um, and Sisu just like takes off and is like, I'm going to prove it to you. And then runs into the forest of Fang. Yeah. Of spine. of spine. Yeah. And yes, then we are introduced to Spine. So like, again, like one of my like favorite things about this is that Kumandra has so many different landscapes. And while overall it does have a very cohesive color palette each of these clans very distinctly have their own aesthetic feel look vibe culture representation and i thought that was really cool how they did that mm-hmm. yeah spine is is i love it i love the the mountains um it looks very foreboding these gigantic thick trees mm-hmm. like a snowy landscape and it's like this like walled in like village yeah so just looks very like you don't want to mess with these people (laughs) exactly exactly so then we go into spine and we meet tong and tong is the last remaining member of spine unfortunately the drone has eaten everybody else in spine including his baby his baby baby and his wife i assume and his wife (laughs) her too I feel like every time, well, it makes sense. Like every time we like go into, you know, a new clan, there's like a huge like annoyance of this like person that's trying to like oppose Rai. And it's like, no, no, calm down. Like just join us, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> join our journey. We're, we're, we're all on the same page here. And he's trying to like hold on to his like, I'm a spine warrior. Like I'm yeah. going to torture you. But then he gives in when he sees Noi, which I think is a cute little yeah. like, tie in, you know yeah it was really cute and then like like they were kind of like inseparable like since like mm-hmm. since they like met at that point like if you like noticed it was really the only cute. one that noticed her name on her collar mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah like her <laughs> why is her name on her collar i, I just love how he's like and you little noi will be reunited with your family and then <laughs> Raya's like what <laughs> what'd you call her <laughs> her name's gone no, baby <laughs> And then we get to a really, really epic battle in Spine because Namari is on the hunt. She knows Raya is looking for all the gem pieces and she's been like trailing behind. So also like the thing with Namari is, you know, while she's not necessarily a villain, she also kind of had that villain presence that kept you okay without needing like a direct villain. Mm-hmm. So I thought I just we're going to get to Namari soon. But yeah, when she and her other her other members from Fang enter Spine, um, we get into 
kind of like a back and forth between Raya and and Namari and Raya's kind of like doing the distracting for now while everyone else can like escape and that sort of thing. And then we get um our first adult 1v1 Raya Namari fight. Mm-hmm. And it was epic. Like the tension was everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they were like flirting while they were fighting. Yeah. Like you, why do we have time for conversation? Like we are in death combat, deathly combat, but no, they, they love each other. Oh, for sure. (laughs) We ship. I think like the coolest part of that whole battle was when Sisu came out Mm -hmm. and, you know, Sisu like did her thing and was like trying to protect Raya. And the thing is that like, you can really tell that like Namari isn't even that villainous of a character because as soon as she saw Sisu, it was just like weapons dropped, absolute awe. Like this is like, I don't have time to be fighting people anymore. You know, like Sisu is here. And I thought that was just like such an amazing way to, to really connect Namari to Sisu like that. Mm-hmm. Namari's love of dragons is a really good way to make us sympathize with her. Um, and we see early on in the film, too, when they're walking through the the dragon graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just so chilling and powerful. And she, you know, puts the greeting up for them. And yeah, you just, you know, there's like layers to her and you want to know more about her. Exactly. So Sisu gets Raya to trust her and go with her plan, which is to give Namari a gift in order to try to win her over and get her on her side well first we kind of like get a look at at fang because namari then doubles back and she goes back home um so it was really cool because we got to see chief verana so her mom again um we got to see more of fang and what the what that world looks like and i think fang is beautiful yeah fang looks so good And I'm like, did they always look like that? Or, you know, did they kind of upgrade since they got the the gemstone? But I think that it's very clear to see why, like, Fang and Heart are, like, the two biggest butting heads, you know? And something that I noticed that was, like, really interesting was that, you know, I feel like when I went into this film, I didn't really go in with, like, the Disney princess title notion but they like were throwing it in the film like it was nothing. I haven't heard them use the word princess like that since Frozen, you mm-hmm. know? Um, princess Raya and Princess Namari. Like, and I love that, you know, Namari as a character, she is very much breakout in the sense where we've never seen a character like that before. She is just such like a strong willed character and the way that she was designed is not like most characters. Um, she has a very like masculine sense to her, which I like think is super cool that she has that whole vibe and aesthetic and aura. Um, and everyone's still calling her like Princess Namari, you know, mm-hmm. like it's I think that's just like so that's sick, mm-hmm. you know, because it's just like it is what it is. Like, I don't even want to say like that's so amazing because it just it is what it is. And it's just like really cool to see that this can be that like anybody really and truly can be a princess. Yeah. You know, Namari's just like badass, like blades all day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's still like little kids going up to her like princess Namari. So I just think that was really, that was really cool to point out. 
mm-hmm. and see. It's a total 180 from Moana being like, first off, I'm not a princess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Like, Moana made it very clear, like, I'm not a princess. I'm... It's like two years later, and yeah, she's like, yeah, and next I, to it's kind of funny because it's like Moana kind of has like that princessy vibe, and they made like a really big deal to not call her a princess, whereas Rai and Namari are like super opposite, but they're like, princess princess Mm -hmm. so that's that's interesting it'll be really interesting to see if disney i mean it depends i i think we definitely have to save raya's gonna it'll be a while before we actually figure out how raya does and how people take to raya because there's so many factors going against it right now (laughs) um and i think like once it's you know free to disney plus subscribers and everything that'll be something to talk about later when it has more of an audience i'll say but it will be interesting to see if Disney will ever, you know, with their Disney princess franchise, what they're going to do. Because they're already pushing Raya as a princess, which I found really interesting. They're, like, posting her on the Disney princess, like, Instagram pages and calling her a Disney princess and everything. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if Namari Gets the same suit. treatment. Yeah. I would be so for it. You know, if we can get two princesses from Frozen, we can get two princesses from Raya. Yeah. I think they might wait to see how the audience takes to Namari. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, like what I've talking to like a couple of my friends who who has also seen it. They I've like heard that people have had like mixed feelings about Namari. Like, yeah, like she's she's good, but like she's also kind of bad, and like people are still trying to like you know figure out their place with Namari and like. Unfortunately, not everyone can be as level-headed as, as I am and, <laughs> and know how much that I love Stan and appreciate Namari. But, you know, that understandably, like, especially for a kid, too. You know, like, you see, like, oh, my gosh, this person is chasing the main character. They have to be bad, you know? So mm-hmm. um, I think they're going to wait to see, like, how how are people reacting to her? Mm-hmm. You know, how is it after a couple watches, how does she resonate with our audiences and if so like throw her in there too give her give her her own platform and and place to stand yeah and it's interesting because she was originally going to be a much more villainous character she was going to be like in like commanding the drone and and crazy stuff mm. like that um and then they they altered it they all said her yeah 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 <laughs> oh we... and she was voiced by Gemma chan yes that's which important we stand mm-hmm love her love 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 so let's go into let's start from the um the exchange with sisu and raya sisu raya and namari yeah okay yeah so that scene we've watched it three times now every time i just feel like oh my gosh like stuff is happening i I love that scene because it really just like lays everyone's cards out there. You really see how everyone feels about everyone in that moment. And obviously like that's like the big thing because Sisu ends up dying within the process of everything that's going on. And the way that it happens is I it clearly it happens just like so fast to the point that Raya and Namari end up in a point where they blame each other for the death and they don't really know like what happened really and truly you know um and they're both just so angry at each other that it really blinds everything but you know like i i particularly love that namari pointed out to to raya that you know 
even though Namari had her jetter crossbow ready to shoot, she probably wasn't going to to pull the trigger because she lo- she loves Sisu. She probably she was not going to do it to Sisu, and Sisu saw the real her, and she saw had faith in her and and who she was. But of course, Raya being as jaded and untrustworthy as she is, didn't trust Namari. And I I thought that was really interesting to see like how these personalities, what what they all, how they're all bouncing off each other and what ended up happening mm-hmm. um, because of everything. So I thought that was really cool that like, you know, because Raya went through all this shit and she's just like such a jaded person and she doesn't trust Namari, but even though Namari like trusts Sisu and Sisu, like, you know, it's just, it's so, it's a lot of, of energy exchanges to be taking in at once. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was good. It was great. So when Sisu gets shot, she falls into the, the river mm-hmm. and then all the water dries up. And without the water, there's nothing to stop the drone. So now the drone are just approaching from all sides. Yeah. 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 Crazy. And, and now it's, it's game time. Things are going crazy. And and Raya gets like she's sad and then she's angry. Yeah. And then we cut to her just storming Fang. Mm-hmm. And that entire scene, loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I love seeing her angry. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Like a Disney princess angry. Like and she wasn't just angry, like she was furious. Like there's red in her eyes, like you could hear like the growl in her in her voice, you know? Like mm-hmm. it was it was very raw voice acting and I thought that was really, really cool to see. Yeah really cool for a princess to express yeah yeah and that final battle um in the fang palace is Mm -hmm. just great they're they're fighting and you could feel the passion between them too like like they're both clearly fighting for something and you can and you can feel that and they're just both so sad and hurt and and angry and it just the articulation of the emotion in that scene was just done flawlessly. And I love the way that it all comes together with Namari's speech to Raya and then Raya going to help Boone and Tong. And then I like that Namari just shows up and is helping them. Yeah. And then there's that scene when everything kind of topples down on top of them and Raya takes the first step. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really well done as well. Yeah. Because it kind of goes back to what sisu was talking about with um when her siblings gave her the dragon gem Mm -hmm. it's they put their faith in her and that empowered her um so i kind of like that part about namari's character too you know she just needs someone to put their faith in her yeah Um, yeah at the very end when you know we were seeing all of our our characters all of our representations from these different clans they're all kind of giving themselves for the greater good of Kumandra. And that was kind of like the first identifier that, you know, Kumandra can happen because if these different entities from different parts of, or from different clans can come together and, you know, literally all give their lives for everyone, like that, that energy clearly must've expanded because they were able to be Kumandra again at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that the rain symbolized everything the way it came down with the score yeah and the dragons coming oh let's 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 talk about the reunions sure because at the beginning of the film i was like i'm not gonna cry usually speaking disney films make me cry and i was really curious to see if it was going to the beginning scene 
with Raya and Ba, the sacrifice, I thought that got me a little like choked up, mm-hmm. but I wasn't crying. And I was like, okay, if this is not going to get me to cry, I'm good. We get to the end and we, we see our ensemble cast become reunited with their families and their communities and their homes. And oh my gosh, I think the first one that got me, I think it was Noy's family. Mm, with her mom. Yeah. I just, I was like, it, it just really dawned on me like, oh my God, this is a baby just like ha- that has nobody but these monkey catfish, you know? Yeah. Like, and then you realize like, like that, that. Like no mon- wonder she's a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um and it was just oh it was so cute that got me and then and then who was next tong tong and all of his people and his his baby and his oh, wife his oh it was so yeah. cute and then oh my god Boone. oh Boone. Oh. <laughs> well yeah Boone too like i, ba, I, I wasn't gonna go through all of them <laughs> yeah um but no it was like it was really like like ryan ba's reunion that like by then like i was like dry heaving and it was funny like we were watching it with um um our roommate natalie and our friend riley and riley was like talking to me and i'm like girl i'm crying right now like i don't have time to be talking to you yeah (laughs) go get me a tissue or something like it was so well done you like felt it you felt you know the time that had passed between these characters and yeah yeah getting choked about choked up just thinking about it right but yeah, just like by the end of the film, it was just such like a nicely told story. Mm-hmm. I felt like everything happened the way it should. Nothing felt forced or rushed. Um, it was an interesting story. I am, and I really liked that, you know, Disney was still able to give us, you know, their usual Disney princess formula and and the classic Disney animation that we crave, but still be able to try new things, um, explore a new culture, bring us new characters, new music. Like it was just chef's kiss. Chef, chef's kiss. Yeah. Absolute. I, I loved it as well. I think the animation was some of Disney's best. Um, the film was just fun. Um, definitely rewatchable. Like I would watch this again. Um, I love the theme, the theme of unity and trust and community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I really like it. And I think it just gets better with every watch and the more I think about it. Yeah, and honestly, like, one of, like, the greatest things about the film is that it, because the world building was so good, and we've now kind of, like, the movie wraps up in kind of, like, a new chapter of this world. We can, like, go back into a sequel or a series and explore so much more. Like, we have mm-hmm. five clans to explore so much more we don't even know we don't know bub diddly squat about raya like there's so much more that we can get from her so i think definitely a sequel or a series is warranted part of me kind of feels like disney is going to plan a sequel or a series because like i don't know raya just feels like like there's intentionally stuff that could be explored like with frozen like frozen 2 they made a story that worked but like Raya feels like it could have a natural sequel, natural progression, and it's not something that just an idea that someone had. Yeah, there, there's so much. Like I'd love to see a sequel mm-hmm. and see more of these characters, and I don't know what else they could do, but I'd be down. There's dragons now and magic, and um, I don't know. They could do either way. They could do a sequel or they could do a prequel. Or um, there's like six years of 
time when they could explore if they yeah to. exactly i want to see what raya did like while she was on her own was she in tail the whole time was she you know what was she doing like for six years how did she grow up how did she what, did she always know tuck tuck was gonna be that big how did she realize she could ride him you know like there's there's so much that we could explore with her so maybe they'll do like a short because they did that kind of with bo peep you know they did lamp yeah so yeah they'll do like a short and then they'll do i i said this after the movie ended i was like no epilogue outfit because <laughs> i want to see like princess raya but like like you know yeah. now like you know? yeah like is she gonna is she because she's like not like i don't see her as someone that's like i'm not a princess you know like she's proud of that yeah. title but now she doesn't have a dragon gem to protect so yeah what's life gonna be like in heart now mm-hmm. is heart gonna be like the, that's the true she's gonna be like she, if she's back in heart the place where she hasn't been in so long like we we got we got that like little excerpt of her like visiting back after so many years and that alone was so hard for her mm-hmm. so you know what is it like going back and being a princess of this place that was your home but you haven't called home for six years like there's just so much yeah so i'm down for all of it really <laughs> so what do you rate it give us give us your ratings brayden i will give this film i'm gonna give this film an 8.5 out of 10 i think this is a great disney film um i don't think it's okay 8.5 close to nine oh i'm like God. teetering between i'm like <laughs> i'm like giving him looks guys <laughs> <laughs> i love this movie i will watch it again um i think it's just gonna get better with age I didn't love it as much as I did with some other Disney animated films of uh, recent times, but I still really enjoyed it. And who knows, you know, time works in mysterious ways. This might be my favorite in a year or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. But for right now, I'm going to give it a solid 8.5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? I'm going to give it a 10. Okay. okay. Yeah, I love this. I'm absolutely obsessed with Ryan the Last Dragon. Um, I think the story is sick and like, I don't know, maybe I just need to like bombard myself with like more to like get sick of it. But like, I, I'm really enjoying it. And like, every time we talk about it, I love the conversations. I love seeing, you know, what Disney has done with it. And I thought the story was great. I thought the movie was great. I thought it was so beautiful. Like it's honestly like the animation that's really really got me hooked the animation is unlike any other i've seen before so i i think it deserves absolutely everything it deserves it all i'm not even being over generous it deserves my 10 so nice yeah perfect score folks perfect score i think the only only other perfect score i've given to so far was hamilton i don't even know what i gave a perfect score to (laughs) if anything yeah if anything we should keep keeping track yeah (laughs) honestly (laughs) And then also before we kind of wrap up, something that was really important that we wanted to talk about was um, all of the anti-Asian discrimination and hate that's been going on in the world. This has been just such a difficult time for so many different communities and groups. And it's so disheartening to see that, you know, these are still things we have to be dealing with every single day. And there are people our friends and our neighbors are having to go through this kind of 
torturous and treacherous treatment from from people they know people they don't know so i think it's always important to where you can show your support and stand up be anti anti-discriminatory when you can because it's it's so important these things like we can't even just like chill and and watch happen you know because it's you have to take action and it it really sucks Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's movies like Ride and the Last Dragon that are showing the beauty and the wealth behind these cultures and these communities. Like like I said, you know, having entities like these is what's going to be the catalyst to change narratives and to educate people. So we just have to keep doing what we're doing. And I'm here to spread love. Mm-hmm. I love spreading love. So representation is so important, um, especially from a big company like Disney. I think it's important for people of those groups to see themselves represented. And it's also important for um, people not from those groups to learn more about other cultures. Um, and obviously, I'm not saying that Disney films are where you should get all your information from. Um, they're fantasy films, but it's definitely a good door um, to open. And, you know, you can learn a lot. And uh, I think that is what's going to help us to all be able to get along better mm-hmm. and and be and nicer understand to one each another. other better that's honestly like the biggest thing at the end of the day is that a lot of the hate and the discrimination and the negative actions come from not understanding one another mm-hmm. and i think that once we start you know opening these doors and, and encouraging these conversations and engaging in these difficult situations that often people people try to avoid that's when we're gonna start to make change well, that's it today for our take on Raya and the Last Dragon. Woo! We hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did talking about it. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Spotify. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram, and Twitter, Twitter. That's building this tea. And if you would like to share your thoughts uh, with us on today's episode, please be sure to shoot us an email at spillingdisteapodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to rate us, leave us a review. It really helps us out and share with all of your friends and family and fellow Disney fanatics. You can also reach us individually, myself at Sakura MJ on Instagram and Twitter. And you can reach me at Braden Rosman on Instagram and at Braden C. Rosman on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, play, play us out, Zach. Zach.